Give me the green light. Give me just one night. I'm ready to go right now. I'm ready to go right now. I'm ready to go. Welcome, everybody, to episode 95 of the Green Light Podcast, POC E-Frage. I am on day five, four of dry January, and let me tell you, <clears throat> I want a beer. I want a drink. You know, I'm not, it's not going great, you know? I, I gave up, I made a mistake. I gave up alcohol for Lent a few years ago and oh. not thinking, like, during peak, like, March Madness. Um, did you succeed? I did. Um, wow. And it's not, or wait, I take this back. I didn't give up, I gave up beer. That's what it was. It honestly was the reverse. Uh, probably reverse this is one of the better, the better oh. cold opens that, uh, that we've ever had. We don't rehearse I just remember, I just remember, it was that, it was tough, like going to bars, watching all these games for like a long time and just yeah. crushing vodka sodas. But the most awkward was probably going to spring training, see the Mets and like, asking for like a mixed drink i'm like this this beer is baseball like it, it's uh but i commend you for uh for your well, don't commit don't commend anything yet it's it's been 96 hours but uh i'm, I'm trying to get through you would have needed one if ohio had just blown the game we just watched okay yeah good transition good transition uh let's get into it a little maction little tuesday night maction uh ohio U versus voldemort aka john gross um he, really, he, he who shall not be named. He, yeah, he who shall not be named. Um, really, really good game. Uh, awesome and it, game. and it, I, w- I didn't want to say it wasn't a good game. I mean, Ohio U was just up ten basically for thirty six minutes. I mean, they started on a seven nothing lead. It was one of the more awkward. Uh, I'll ne- and I want to take this chance, this opportunity to say schools that are standing for offense, you're doing it wrong. Because I don't know if you saw the first five minutes of the game, Paul. No, I missed it. Like Ohio, Ohio, it's you stand for defense. Everyone stands until they give up the first bucket. So it, the more it goes on, it just gets rowdier and rowdier, and the fans are into it. It starts out the game hot. Ohio or Akron, and someone else I watched did this. I think JMU did this recently, or did this recently. Ohio or JMU or Akron, sorry, I'm all over the place. Akron stands for offense. So they don't until the first bucket. They don't sit down until they score. Well, Ohio almost held Akron scoreless the first media timeout. And so everyone just kind of stand in there. They went on a seven nothing run to start the game. They scored their first bucket with like 1630, I think. Um, I think Louisville does that. Finally, we can sit down. It's like the reverse effect of what you want to do. Yeah. So just how you talked about how we should, the social media departments need to not post the loss of final scores. I think, uh, promotion staff stop standing for stop standing for offense because we said it was Ohio got off seven nothing it took a while and then it was just that steady like seven to I think they got up to 14 but it was like a seven to 12 yeah. point lead pretty much most of the most of the way yeah listen I <clears throat> I tweeted this earlier but um Jason Carter and BB Ben Vanderplas are fantastic man like and they are so good in the mid post you can give them the ball 15 feet away. They're going to get to five feet. They are going to get in front of the rim. 
It's unbelievable. They're going to get to their spot. You can bring a double. They'll pass, get it right back and repost. You cannot bring a double and they're going to abuse neither you. Of them, neither of them panic. They're, no. they're, they have great footwork. It's, it's honestly, it's like, it's such a cliche term. It's like textbook to watch. It really textbook, is. Textbook, dude. And it's, and what makes that, what, why this team is so good. Cause if you have two of those, it's very hard to double. And they have very, they have some good shooters and then other capable shooters. Um, you know, you can't leave Sears. You can't leave Roderick. Uh, and you can't leave Schmuck. Is it Schmuck? Schmuck, yeah. Yeah, schmuck. you can't leave Schmuck. So it's like if you have those three guys and BVP, BVP and Carter in, you know, you're not doubling. So it's they're hard to guard, man. And Bulls, credit to Bulls and their staff. They run good stuff. They, they, love, really they run a lot of screen-to-screeners, a lot of block-to-blocks. Like, they run good stuff. They do. And this is not to not – I mean, we both obviously worked under John Gross and managers, but, like – I couldn't believe it down the, down the stretch. And Ali Ali is. Oh yeah. We got to get to Ali Ali. First first team, all Mac player, no doubt. Gross called nail so many times at the end of just literally just get him the ball clear out. I mean, two air balls in a row. And like, I get like, if that's your best chance at getting a bucket, especially the way you've been playing. But that was the first time looking at from trying to be unbiased perspective. Like they're running good stuff. They're running things to get the looks they want. Not just like, back up and let it, let our players play, which I mean, yep. we, it is what it is, but um, very impressed with Ali Ali. Yeah, he was fantastic. You want to talk about a guy that can get to the rim and just score. And the thing that I kept saying about him was he was making tough shots. He like was. you, he, the, he was. even in the first half, there was a couple, there was a couple possessions there where OU guarded him really well. He got to the paint, had like some awkward footwork, turned the other way and still finished. And I was like, damn, this kid's pretty good. We do need to look at I, – I, I had heard this before, and I do – I want to look at this more so next maybe next episode I'm more prepared. The Freeman kid that starts for yeah. Akron apparently yep. it was a – like was just playing rec league basketball and then walked yeah. on the team, put on pretty 20 cra- pounds, was like playing scout team. Now he starts. Yeah, like, pretty crazy on, on story. Probably on a top four MAC team. Like on uh, – Akron's good. I mean, they took Ohio State to the brink. They're, yeah. they were eight, they're eight and four. Um, I think The real, probably, the real question is – Can in- Akron, Ohio, yeah. The real question is, how do they find him? Like, were they in the – like, did somebody – like, was it a player that was like, yo, this kid can kind of hoop? Like, maybe he should be a walk-on? Was it a coach? Like, that's the story I want to know. Yeah, did he show up at tryouts? I guess I, I don't know. The thing that's always funny, and I, I've said this recently and being around a pro, like, there are plenty of kids that tried out for the – like, I remember my senior year. So not – once DMAC, once golf, once those guys are gone, um, we had one walk-on spot, basically. And there were guys – and shout-out Drew Crabtree – they got the spot. There are guys there, and he would admit this, they're more talented than him. They're better mm-hmm. basketball players. But a lot of times when you're, you're not looking for a walk-on to be like a, a contributor in your rotation, like you're looking for a guy that's going to post a good GPA, that's going to come in, you're going to be on scout team, you're not going to complain, you're going to do what you're you're going to be a hard worker, you're yeah. going to boost, once again, boost the team GPA, boost the team morale. Like you're not looking for a difference maker. And so to yeah. find someone like this, basically like I said, off the street, that now is a multi is like, he's a starter. He was there his third leading scorer tonight, potentially. Yeah. I mean, um, 10 rebounds, 10, seven points, 10 rebounds. Um, no, the kid, I mean, he's good. You yeah, know, he's not he's like, and again, to your point, like no one's looking for a walk on to be anything crazy. So the fact that he's out there producing playing real minutes is crazy. Last thing I'll note on this game um, before uh, as I say, we get too deep on Mac talk though, is, the um, the one thing I think that there's a, there are a couple one there are a couple stats that I think stood out to me. I'm just looking at Ken Palm going into the game. 
Ohio, or Akron is number one in the country, a large margin, in free throw attempts to field goal attempts. So they do a really good job of getting to the line. It's 46.4% um, free throw attempt to field goal attempt rate. And it, in the, the national average is 29.8. Looking at the box score, though, they only hit – they were 9 of 17 from the free throw line. So yeah, they I actually think they got the line. That what they, they start over five, they didn't. That's, shoot and well. this is what's crazy. But so you look at it, the only red, the only weakness on their Ken Palm, when you look at their summary, they're number one in the country at getting to the line based on the amount of field goal attempts. They are 290th in the country in free throw percentage. So they're leaving That's wild. so much. They're, they shoot 66.4% uh, from the free throw line as a team. Wow. And it's like, and it's tough. They, they're great. They're a good three point shooting team. They don't get blocked, they don't turn the ball over too much. They get to the line, but they don't make their free throws. And then lastly, Ohio, the one thing, Ohio is 15th in the country in free throw percentage. Um, and I Pretty honestly, damn good. And they're, un, they're, they're so unlucky. They are 356th in the country. I guess that's my think dead last in opponent free throw percentage. So they're damn. taking – like teams are shooting 80% from the free throw line against – Ohio is shooting 78.4% from the line. They're 15th in the country and their opponents are still shooting better than them over the course of 12 That's games. That's wild. They are, they are uh, I guess, are 13 games. They are 11 and two. Um, but my actual real last note, Mark Sears, the fact Ooh. that he is probably the front runner for Mac player of the year when before the season, he probably had two teammates, you would say above, you would mention before him and Vander Plaas and Carter. Sears is a dog. He, he's yeah. an absolute dog. Yeah, I know you, you can tell it's funny. The CBS announcers, you can tell like they don't they're not like truly dialed in to OU or Akron because they were one of them. Was, and I don't even know who it was. I don't even I didn't even recognize their voices. But one of them was like, yeah, you know, they, the OU staff uh, were saying with Ben Roderick that they're really hoping he could be their uh, third scorer. And I was like, they got three scores, man. They got like, three. They, we're good there. Like they need they're a really fourth good. maybe or they need him to like really be consistent. But the third, I'm like, who are you forgetting? Because it ain't BBP <laughs> and it ain't Carter. And it, who are you like? If so Roderick like, you know. does become get back to shooting, you can be four guys that can fill it up. I mean, they're they're going to yeah. be really really tough to stop. But, but that's that early win. Like I know they're going to play him twice. Yeah, they're going to play him twice. Um, but that to go two and zero in MAC play to have a win over Akron early in the year, like that's like an anchor. You know what I mean? That's like such a good win early in the season. Forget like forget momentum and forget, um, you know, just being confident, just having that in the W column, the first week of January is such a good feeling in the Mac. It's unbelievable. It's massive, uh, man. They're 11 and two best start in 10 years. Um, in 10 years. Only, and, yeah. I mean, our 2012 wow. team started 13 and one. Our only loss was the Louisville, hey. which we wow. should have won. Like going into, yes. Um, we actually, I say, I take that back. We lost to, uh, we lost to Robert Morris that year, the last non-conference game. So we went, um, but yeah, um, coming right back from break, we started 13 and yeah, started 12 and one, sorry, started 12 and one. They're 12 and two, um, right now and lost to Robert Morris and then lost two of our first that season. We lost two of our first three. Um, wow. the wild thing. And I, I, I put this up and people don't realize, and obviously I think if you are listening to this podcast, you probably are, there's some connection to Ohio, or at least you've heard us talk about it. What would you guess? What do you think John Gross's record in the Mac was at Ohio? If you had to guess in four, he had he played four For, seasons. Can I just guess percentage wise? Yeah. Percentage wise. Uh, 62% win percentage. 
53%. He was 34 and 30 at Ohio. Wow. 30. Wow. He went seven and nine, seven and nine year year when they beat Georgetown yep. because they're a nine seed. Yep. Going. Then nine and seven your senior year, my freshman year, and then 11 and five, our sweet 16 year. We still only went 11 and five. We lost to Bowling Green and uh, Toledo and Eastern Michigan that year. And it's like, and we lost, and it, it's pretty wild. But, and he's, I mean, now like he, the crazy and people talk like he won, they won, Akron won the Mac in 2020 in the regular season. That was his first regular season title. He won coach of the year in 2020, which was his first Mac coach of the year because that, that, award, that award is decided before the tournament. So yeah. 2012, I don't know. I, I'm guessing probably I think Buffalo is the one seed. So I'm guessing it was a Buffalo. And then 2011, I'm assuming it was probably Kent state maybe with uh, again, like North. this goes, this goes back to our conversation. We had a couple of weeks ago about shouldn't the coach of the year just go to the guy who won the national championship. It's the whole goal, but it then it goes back to like, all right, but what if you were picked last and you won, like should have like, shouldn't Patrick Ewing get some credit last year for being picked dead last in the big East and winning the, or two years ago, whatever it was the big East, like, Shouldn't he get credit for that? So I'm, I don't know, but like the fact that, yeah, no, it's ridiculous that he won two Mac championships, then won did three damage, NCAA and won three NCAA tournament games, then did damage in the tournament and still doesn't have a coach of the year until he goes to Akron and wins a, a pointless regular season. It's pointless. Yeah. And, and you know? bowls didn't win it last year either. Like it's ridiculous. It's just, um, yeah. All right, let's speak of ridiculous, uh, ridiculous things. Yeah, let's talk about Another Kirk thing. Herbie Herb Street. Um, I I think it was just weirdly timed overall, and like we'll get into the comments, but like I'll just start with that. It was very weirdly timed. I don't really understand it. Um, Kirk Herb Street, if you haven't figured it out, uh, made some comments about NFL or uh, NCAA players right now, basically saying that you know not everyone loves football or has like a super passion for football like they did back in the day um and he got of course crushed and we we are trying to find some nuance we're trying to find the gray here because to his credit i will say that yes the game and why players play maybe or their motivating factors like has shifted a little without a doubt but what i was Try like when I had conversations with people about it and, and we're getting into uh, conversations on Twitter about was like the perfect, the professionalization of sports has increased tenfold in the last decade. So mm-hmm. we're raising these generations of athletes as a fifth, sixth, seventh grader to be worried about their brand and to be worried about what, team they're playing for and to be worried about did i get into the best high school am i going to the best college now there's overtime now there's the g league now you know there's all these things so the goal at a very young age if you show any promise is to make money from playing this sport and it's and it's drilled into you so you know you have to i I don't want to say you have to love it maybe you don't i don't know but it's, it, it's just kind of short-sighted for him to just like generalize an entire generation of athletes where finally they get to make money off, and everyone agrees, even Kirk, that, hey, this is the right thing, NIL is the right thing. Um, and player, I'll end with this, on this whatever this is, this rant, that players opting out of pointless bowl games means nothing. These bowl games mean nothing. So 
no one's opting out of the national championship. No one is. At least that, I mean, unless someone has, and I completely missed it. No one's opting out of the of the top four. No, the no ones way. that are like I and and the thing is like, I guess the best example. I mean, Jamar Chase opted out of the entire season. Yes, the best fit for. I mean, he went fourth overall, and now he's going to win Rookie of the Year, and he's breaking all the records. Like that was the best decision for him. Like LSU was worse last year. Like yeah, when he would have played, they they were mediocre at best. He could have gotten hurt. He could have lost value, and like he made the decision that was best for him. And I was say it was like, oh, everyone's like, oh, these players don't know. They grant like it goes back to the argument. They're getting a scholarship. They're getting paid. Whatever it is. I'm not going to fault anyone that's making the best decision for them. Now, Grant, like I wish I, I do miss like the allure that bowl games used to have. Yeah, like, but we actually, changed it. We changed like, it. Not we, we not you and me, it. but yeah. the, the industry changed it. So it, why don't you did. go yell at, you know, the commissioners of the SEC and the Big Ten? They're the ones. It. I mean, it and like everything, I mean, it, it all um, it all kind of it all all comes from it all spawns from money and, and in different ways. Um, the best way. And honestly, if they're so concerned, like I, I, I feel like I gritted through watching both those college football playoff games. They suck. On they suck. They and suck. it's like, all right. And now we end up with the sec championship, a game again, the same team, the same, it. at least like the thing is, and everyone says, all right, Kenny Pickett's the best example of that. Like Kenny Pickett sat out. He didn't want to play in the peach bowl. Okay, great. Well, if you care, maybe then, all right, make, if it's an eight team playoff, then, and he has yeah. something else to play for, then it is. But because we've commercialized and put all the emphasis on the college football playoff, which is not just like from nothing that is created by the people that run college football, whether that's the NCAA, whether that's ESPN, whether that's five, like the emphasis has been put that this is the one thing that now matters. And you've de-emphasized all the bowl games this is what happens. This is now, this, the equivalent. This is like the, of someone opting out of like playing in the NIT. Who gives a shit? No, you're that's, that's a perfect. I mean, no Who one's cares? opting out of the NCAA tournament <laughs> because everyone has a chance and it's meaningful. Yes. The NIT like, yeah, they were like, nah, like literally, I mean, this is a poor example. Jump my John Smith at Ohio, yeah. my senior year, we lost and we're going to, and Christian gets on the bus and says, it's an honor to play in the postseason. If we get an invite to the CBI or the CIT, we're going to play. I was like, I ain't. He went back home to Columbus, but still haven't seen him to this day. And I love John Smith, but he's like, no, nah, like, I don't want to play in this because it doesn't mean anything to me. Like, we've been to the Sweet 16. We went to the NIT last year. Like, I just I, – I don't care enough because this doesn't mean anything to me. And that's for him to decide. Like, if you want it to mean more, then make make the stakes worth something. Like, you know, it's it, – yeah. it, it, can't, it can't make – you can't just – you can't fake people caring about it. No, you, you no. can't. You have, there has to be something. It's just once the allure is gone, you can't, it's out of the bottle. You, you can't, you have to find some way to rebuild it back, but you're hundred percent right. It's the exact same. Like these bowl games to a lesser degree. Like I think they're like the Rose bowl is one, like the Rose bowl. I still think there's, some it has some good history. Awesome. Yeah. And, and the even like the peach bowl, like peach bowl should be a little bit better, but like that's part of the reason. Like I, I used to be, not as much of a UVA football fan as I was basketball, but like when I realized like Virginia as a program, like their peak, and we talk about like knowing, you know, like their peaks probably like get to the orange bowl, get smoked like they did a few years ago at Florida. It was great. It's like, yeah, that's a, that's a good year. It's like, all right, like, cool. Like, and so for me, it's like, all right, yeah, like 
I'll watch the bowl game. Like I, if, if they had played the Fenway bowl, the really, the only reason I really would have watched more than anything outside of like just being a fan, like I'd be excited to watch is because they're playing at Fenway park and it was new and it was different. And that if they had played the military bowl in Annapolis at Navy stadium, like they did four years ago, like I would have had it on and I would have watched casually, but it wouldn't have really like, it wouldn't have mean, meant anything to me. So yeah, it's like, let the play, like you, you can't fault the how the players feel about, the postseason, the bowl games, when we have created that product itself. Yep. Um, all right, let's jump into uh, your boys. Virginia, a little ACC update. Um, big time win against Syracuse on the road. Um, I don't know. This is like always like the classic dumb journalism question. Like, I don't know if that's like a worse loss for Syracuse or a like a really good win for Virginia. I don't know the answer to that. Uh, again, I, I uh, tweeted this when I was watching the game. I don't know what drills Bennett does to teach them how to pass against the zone, but it's fantastic. Their bounce passes are good. Their, their Beheim came out and said, yeah. What did Beheim say? I didn't even see Beheim it. came out and said that I think no, after the game that no coach has schemed better in the last few years Dude. than Tony. They and get they get at the rim layups. It's wild. Nobody gets at the rim layups against Syracuse. Nobody. And they get them. It's dude. Well, and it really was like putting it really started to shift. And honestly, if you listen to the pod, you know me. Like I was probably in a worse spot after the Elite Eight loss to Syracuse Virginia had with Malcolm Brogdon than I was after the UMBC game because it was right there and it was that close and Virginia was winning at halftime. And then it was the opposite of what it is now. It was Bayheim started pressing. Virginia started panicking. They didn't know what to do. And I really think like it wasn't a, a flip was switched, but like Tony was like, I'm not like it almost, it looked the one time I've ever felt like Tony felt like outside of UNBC, like yeah. I, I've lost control and yeah. like, I don't know really what to do. And ever since then, I think they've won like seven of the last eight against Syracuse. It really should. They put Ty Jerome in the high post and just let him operate. They put DeAndre Hunter in the high post and they just let him operate. And they've done a better job than anybody of getting the ball to someone that will actually make plays in that high post area, whether it's find a dunker, find a shooter, whatever it may be. They've schemed. And he said, he's like, we've had probably four different, like essentially zone offenses over the last like three, four years that they've used. And they've all worked. Like they've, I feel like Tony just sat in a lab and watched every single game. Yeah. He was like, where every single well, what are all of our spots and I, they had four days is, of prep that helped them they had four days of prep for it too which is massive like that's yeah. when Syracuse sneaks up on guys in the tournament too. like if you have one day of prep for that zone yeah that's why you see them make these runs um but I think it really helped these most of those guys or at least half of them had played against Syracuse they'd know and they had four four days to just drill in like this is what we're going to prepare for Besides the passing, the other thing that they do really well, which again, Syracuse tries desperately to not let you do, is they get it to the corner. And then from there, they're they're sometimes vulnerable. But I thought you guys did a really good job because sometimes you get it to the corner and players are like, oh, shit, like I got to get rid of it. I don't I shouldn't be here. I don't want the ball right now. Like they could Mm -hmm. double me. And I thought Virginia did a pretty good job of driving that baseline sometimes scoring there was a couple floaters there but most of the time driving the baseline everybody collapses and then they either kick for a layup or it's a cross you know it's a skip pass for a three or whatever um but that i thought it was like dude that doesn't happen like that's yeah. what syracuse zone does and virginia man that was impressive dude was, like if that doesn't give like, you hope 
it, I mean, it, does, it gave it, it gave it gave me hope as a fan, especially coming off they they lost at home by seventeen to Clemson. Yeah, that was um, tough. That'll and, take the hope away. And and like and that's the thing. Like they and they really haven't played much outside of that. Like they played JMU. They lost to JMU on December seventh. They had eleven days off and played Fairleigh Dickinson, who's one of the worst teams in the country. Yeah, and so like didn't really tell us much. And then December twenty second, they lost to Clemson by seventeen. So it was like two weeks there where Virginia fans like really were, it got to an ugly place. And so to go to the carrier dome to get that win. Now they had a gaunt, I would say a gauntlet include like we're talking, they're playing at Clemson here in 22 minutes. Um, they do have to go at Clemson and face those demons right again. I don't know how that ACC scheduling works that way. You're playing them twice in two weeks, but then they have to go at UNC on Saturday and they get Virginia tech at home on Wednesday. Um, so they've got a three game road stretch. So they play three way games in a, in a span of a week from January 1st to January 8th. Um, that's why that win I'm telling you, like that's so big. And while, and that's, I mean, it's part the, the thing. Is, and we, we tweet about this, we saw it and we've, we put these numbers together. Like it, the ACC has obviously had a tough go outside of Duke. Uh, if you look at it and I, I put together these numbers in terms of the net rankings, like, Right now, Duke is eighth. And, like, it's still – obviously, it's early in these net rankings. Duke's eighth. Virginia Tech's 29th. UNC's 45th. Clemson's 52nd. Wake Forest, 57. FSU, 67. Louisville, 75. Virginia, 90. Miami, 95 after winning, like, seven straight games. And I'll stop there. I'm not even going to go any further. To put that in perspective, Ohio, who we were just talking about, Ohio's 85th. Ohio is a better net ranking wow. than Virginia does. George Mason, 103rd. They're basically ahead of six ACC teams. Even Delaware, the Blue Hens, 139th. They're ahead of four ACC teams. Um, the biggest thing that scares me, and, and like I said, why it gives me hope, why I honestly think it's worse for Syracuse, is right now the ACC is 8-25 and 25 in quad one games. So, and that's, and once we get to March and we hear that, it's like, what do you do against the tough competition? What do you, eight and 25 with three of those wins being from Duke? Um, Tech is, Virginia Tech is 0 and 2, UNC is 0 and 3, Clemson's 0 and 1, Wake Forest has a quad one win, Louisville has a quad one win, Virginia has a quad one win, Notre Dame and Syracuse each have the others. So, UNC is 0 and 3, like, and so, and even 15 and 23 against quad two. And the That's problem bad. is the quad two is almost know. even worse than the quad one. Like it is. it's, it's because, and then yeah, quad three, they're 29 and 13 and they're 67 and five versus quad four. Like Duke hasn't even played anything, but quad one and quad four, they're three and one against quad one. They're eight. No against quad four. Um, but that's, I mean, you're playing mediocre teams at home and the classification like yeah. home game, any, any, from 161 on at home is it? This is quad. probably tonight's probably their what first Q2 or Q3? Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech is so they're playing at home or are they playing at Georgia Tech? Home. Home. So Georgia Tech is 171. No, it's a quad four. <laughs> Georgia Tech. Georgia is Tech is 171st, and a quad four, a home game from 161 to 353 is four. I mean, so I that's what the- I'm talking about in terms of building a resume. You can't there's because they've put themselves at the conference in such a hole. If they start cannibalizing themselves and they can't move yeah. off the spots, like 
right now, so the best way I can summarize this, and I'm, I'm surprised that this is not out there more. I, it took a little bit of digging, but right now in the ACC, say you're, we'll, we'll just say you're Team X. If you want to get a quad one win, if you had a home game, the only teams that would count as a quad one win in a home game would be Duke and Virginia Tech. That's GD. the only way. Only home games that would get you a quad two win were against UNC, Clemson, Wake, FSU, and Louisville. So there's only six teams, no, sorry, seven teams. So a little bit less than half of the conference would get you quad one or quad two. All the other home games are quad three or quad four, eight teams, including Virginia. Like if you beat Virginia at home, that would only give you a quad three win. Now away, it is easier. Like a quad one away win is only going to be Duke. It's going to be Duke, Virginia Tech, UNC, Clemson, Wake, FSU, Louisville. But like you have to win on the road in the ACC yeah. and only half, less than half the teams would get you a quad one win when there's only, when no team outside of Duke has more than one. It, the, the opera, I just don't see the opportunities there. Like I, right now, if you look at bracketology, I was just going to say, what is, what is, who are the four teams Lardy has? What, what would you think? What do you think that they would have? What, Virginia, in Virginia, Virginia Tech, Duke, Carolina, and I don't know the fourth. Wake? No, um, Louisville. Oh, yeah. They, yeah, so, they have a couple now. Uh, it's interesting. It's funny too. Yeah. And obviously, it's all projecting. Like he has Duke as a one seed, he has, um, Oh, Louisville man. is an 11 seed. The funny thing about this is he's got like the automatic qualifiers and the at-larges in there. He has Louisville listed as an automatic qualifier 11 seed. Like, so predicting them to win the ACC tournament and Duke not to. So sneak get in as an 11. And then he has UNC as an eight seed. And he has um, where Virginia Tech is a 10 seed. Um, now what, and then the last he's got, uh, Florida State, Wake, and Clemson each as the next four out. So, like, not even the first four. It's Michigan, Memphis, Belmont, St. Bonaventure as first four out. And then Clemson, Wake, Florida State is that. So, like, Virginia and Syracuse aren't even in the, the first eight out. No. Which is, I, I mean, and once again, like, I'm not getting my hopes up either way. I'm just enjoying, trying to enjoy this ride or whatever. But, it, it really is scary if you're not like, like honestly, like Virginia Tech, they're 0 and 2 against quad one. They're 2 and 3 quad two and 2 and 0 and 4 and 0. Now they've played like they're 0 and 2 in the ACC. Um, played Duke. And they, and they played Duke and they played uh, Wake Forest. They lost to Wake Forest at home in December. They got NC State, and then they go at Virginia, Notre Dame, at NC State. So, like, and then at Boston College. So, like, their schedule does ease up, but you're also, like, banking that Virginia Tech, like, a team that's got – that's a team that's eight and five is your second best team in the conference. Like, they've got <clears throat> losses. They've got a home loss to Wake. They lost to Dayton. They lost to Duke. They lost to Xavier. They lost to Memphis. They're not bad. None of them are bad losses. Let's – Let's talk about uh, a team in the ACC that we always root for, the Wolfpack, that are down bad right now. If you go to their Ken Palm, it's scary on what they're projecting. Um, and they had a pretty bad like, – I, I don't want to oh, say wow. bad loss to Florida State, but how they ended it and the sideline out-of-bounds turnover with the last possession was just atrocious. 
I don't know. It reminded me too much of the Purdue game in a way of like. Yes, exactly right like there. that. It was right there. Yep. I, I don't know. Not great. They really do have good offensive metrics most, for the most part. Outside of their, like, they don't, they're not shooting the three well. Like, in terms of they don't turn the ball over. They get a bunch of offensive rebounds. They get to the foul line. Um, they have good players. Sebron is fantastic. Sebron is awesome, man. Like, Sebron. I think probably second team all ACC. He'll be flirting. Um, yeah, he'll be flirting with it. Like he, I mean, his numbers are nuts. Like he, some in some of these games. I mean, he pretty sure at the end of the end, like he'll until like the last two minutes, he'd only missed like one shot and he like thirty um, against the other night. But he, I mean, he's a good player. Um, oh my gosh! And I just speaking of ACC, I just look up and Wake Forest is beating Florida State as we talk about forty six to twenty four. Start See, like, I don't even get this conference anymore, bro. <laughs> I don't even we get are, it. Uh, what are we – I, I mean, it's it's wild. I mean, it, it, it is wild. Like, the only thing – like, the biggest thing – like, nothing would surprise me outside of, like, Georgia Tech somehow, like, stunning. Like, I don't even think they, they'll compete. I don't think – I think – Dude, the spread is, is minus 18 and a half. I was shocked. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. That's But nothing else would surprise me. Like, I didn't – I, I don't think Virginia's a great basketball team, but I also wasn't expecting to lose by 17 at home to Clemson. Yeah. And I also like FSU and like Wake, this is year two of Steve Forbes at Wake, yeah. and he's already taking down your guy, Leonard Hamilton, like the most steady coach outside of Tony Bennett. Like, I know. In the ACC. I know. Regular um, season. Let's, I mean, I don't, I don't know what the uh, last on it, over under, pulse check, over under four. I mean, at this point, it's got to be under. Um, I I thought we were low when we set it at four. I mean, but it's got to be under. Yeah. Um, I think Louisville's good. I think Miami actually – I think Louisville's can, can be – I think Louisville can get in. I think Miami actually can get in. It, maybe it's a push. Maybe it'll UNC, just – UNC it'll be will. Four. I think four, four unless, like – I said this, I mean, this FSU is definitely not helping their cause. No, um, I'm not going to, I don't know how I feel about Virginia, but like I, and, and honestly like Clemson, but like Clemson, like I actually, I, I, I can't say, I, I probably would say push, but I think there's a chance you can get five um, potentially just because like Miami's on a, Miami's on a hot streak right now. Um, and it, it would be, yeah, Miami is eleven and three and three and zero in the conference. Um, now they've got to go. They got to play Duke now. Come up Saturday, January. Yeah, they play at Duke. We'll yeah, see they. We'll see there, but they um, McGusty and Isaiah Wong and Charlie Moore. They've got like veteran, veteran guys. Isaiah I, Wong, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, dude. How long have we been? I feel like he's only been a sophomore. No, he's only a sophomore. But McGusty's a. McGusty, McGusty and Charlie Moore. I think this is like Charlie Moore's third school potentially. Where he he was DePaul, yeah, he was Can. No, oh my gosh, Paul, this is fourth school. He was at Cal, Kansas, DePaul, and now Miami. How how? COVID. He was at Kansas for Cal for yeah. He gets the COVID year and how many games did he play? He played thirty four games a freshman at Cal, thirty five at Kansas, thirty one his first year in DePaul. 16 and last year at DePaul, did he somehow get like a medical? I don't know. And then now he's played 14 games at Miami. So this is okay. This is year five. It's just the COVID year. He's just been five, five years at four different, five years at four different schools. 
That's wild. Wild. And so, I mean, yeah, who knows? It's maybe it's Larinaga's last stand. I actually kind of got some faith in him now. Um, let's talk about Johnny Davis. I mean, the kid has two of the better performances on the year. One against Houston, he went for 30. And then last night beating Purdue. Um, I only caught a little bit of the second half. I've seen Wisconsin play two or three times now. Um, that Providence win over them is looking better and better right now. Um, oh, yeah. shout out, shout out to Cooley and the Friars. They're also rolling, but Johnny Davis, man, the kid can kind of do it all people. I mean, Purdue just could not stay in front of them. They didn't know what to do. And, you know, we're not talking about Purdue who doesn't, first of all, isn't a good defensive team. You know, they, they are, um, historically and they're decent this year. And then secondly, Jaden Ivy, you know what I mean? Like they got a pro on their team and no, Johnny Davis was Johnny Davis was cooking. So this kid I'm right now, Johnny Davis, yeah, 6'5", 194, sophomore. He is fourth in the Ken Palm National Player of the Year rankings. Once again, somehow EJ Liddell is still number one. Still. Um, Oscar Toshibwe is second because he's just is grabbing he? more rebounds than possible. And I think it's the – Where's my boy like Wendell? Uh, Keegan Murray from Iowa is third. Johnny Davis fourth. Zach Eady, Purdue fifth. Um, Chet Holmgren sixth. Orlando Robinson from Fresno State seventh. Drew Timmy, eight, Trace Jackson Davis, nine, oh. and then Trevion Williams, 10. So that, that's incredible. Like Purdue's got two guys by themselves and Edie and Trevion Williams that are in the, uh, how is Wendell Moore not of, in the top 10 metrics? Don't the, uh, the numbers don't like his, his game. Bro, the numbers he's, he's doing something that like has never been done in the ACC ever. His stats. That's wild. Anyway, um, Purdue, like, I mean, I think all this to say, one, Wisconsin is, is very good, um, probably better than I thought they were going to be. I think uh, Purdue now has three, four losses. Um, Purdue is uh, – they're still sitting fifth in Kempom. They have two – no, they only have two. They lost okay. Rutgers and Wisconsin. That's it. Yeah, okay. They're still the number – they have the number one, off, number one offense in the country, shooting yeah. the ball 41.1% from three, fifth in the country, and 57.8% from two. So fifth in three-point shooting percentage, ninth – in two point percentage. Um, yeah, all, all this to say Baylor is the clear number one. Uh, they are the only team in both offense and defense in the top five, which is borderline impossible to do. We talk about the top 20, top all 20, the teams yeah. in the top 15, top 20 have a chance to win the win it all. They are in the top five of both. Um, the only red categories for Baylor and Kempom. Our free throw attempts to field goals, so they're not they're 303rd in like getting to the line, and then they are 299th in three in free throw shooting percentage. But it like hasn't like honestly like they haven't been a good free throw shooting team, but it really hasn't even mattered because they barely have been getting to the line. But everything else, I mean, they are they are solid in. Um, they take Very care of the ball. They turn they turn people over 26.3 percent of the time. Fourth ranked defense, fourth in steals. If anything, yeah, like. Achilles heel defensive wise, maybe like their worst metric is that they give up their like offensive rebounds. Like they give up offensive rebounds and they're 77th. But outside of that, man, they are really, really solid across the board. Well, they're and just reloading like Benjo, Flagler, like both those and like everyday John, like the guys they brought back, they lost the three headed monster and they're I know. still just, I know. 
Yeah, Flagler and Akinjo. Uh, Akinjo has 23. Flagler has 20. Uh, they are up eight against Oklahoma right now with two and a half to go. So you would. And Tom ass- only has them losing one game the rest of the way, and that's the Kansas, which I did want to know. Like Kansas, um, I, I watched Kansas a bunch on Saturday against George Mason. Um, they are, and, and Rothstein noticed at halftime the Ohio game, they are one. They're a, a one buzzer beater from Dayton away from being undefeated right yeah. now. Like they yeah. lost by one to Dayton um, on a crazy tip. They have the fourth best offense, 31st best defense. Um, and Agbaji, Christian Braun, McCormick, like Remy Martin's not even like even their top, like in terms of like analytics. I mean, he, he's probably still their best. You can say Abaji would be their best player, but yeah. They, they, they are, I, it's, I wouldn't be surprised if Kansas actually did end up still winning the big 12 over Baylor. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised either, it's, but it's, I think Baylor is the better team. I do think Baylor's a better team. I would probably say it's those two. And then a step down from that is Texas, um, maybe Oklahoma, Texas tech, some of those teams. Um, I don't feel like I'm forgetting someone. And then probably maybe a step down from them is like West Virginia. Yeah. Um, but it, it, yeah, I think it's, it's clear. I think it's a two horse race for, I don't think Texas, I mean, Texas has been playing a lot better. They're still, uh, they've won five in a row since losing to Seton hall. Uh, they beat Stanford. They beat West Virginia. Um, I, I have a lot and they have 32nd best offense, ninth ranked defense, but I do think there's, You've got Baylor a little bit higher than uh, Kansas, but I think it's a two-horse race. Then you get Texas, and then you get the rest of the Big 12, in my opinion. Um, let's – I don't know what just happened to my voice. Uh, let's wrap it up because we both have games we want to watch in five minutes. Um, Ed Cooley and the Friars, big-time win over Seton Hall. You know, people are going to say Seton Hall was down a little bit, which they were. COVID is COVID. Um but Friars are rolling. Um, I think they have a, a legitimate shot to win the regular season Big East. I'm not saying the tournament. They, I think they do have a legitimate shot to do that just because of all the crazy things that can happen with COVID. Um, you know, what if their Villanova game gets postponed and they only have to play them once, you know, and they beat them, you know, things like that. I actually do think they have a legitimate shot to do that. Um, and then the other uh, end on a question is the Mike Hopkins era over in Washington? And does he come back to Syracuse as an assistant? Because they are not good. They are in, they are down, down bad. Is it over for Mike Hopkins? They were really bad last year too. They were Um, really bad. Hold on. And not to to give a break. I just got a text from my mother. It's a great game. NC State is winning. It's like she's listening to our podcast live. Shout out to, uh, we're just talking about how, uh, the the wolf pack have been down a little bit but um where are they who are they playing try and pull up the score she said it's a great great game um cheering for the wolf pack now so we will see um but as you pull up but i i don't know i mean hopkins man he had a little run he got isaiah stewart to come all the way out there he got some big recruiting wins and people are saying like yeah he made the right decision they are 159th in camp on their five and six it got smoked by – they lost at home by 16 to Utah Valley. They lost at home by eight to Winthrop. Um, they lost at home earlier this season to Northern Illinois. Northern Illinois, Burnham, man. First game. First game. First, his first game as a head coach. Wyoming in overtime. 
at home. So they've got one, two, three, four home losses, one neutral loss, um, and one away loss. Their first away loss. Dude, they hadn't played it. They just played – Paul, they're five and six, and they just played their first away game. It was at Arizona. I mean, that's good scheduling when you know you got a bad team. I'll tell you that. That is a, that is a big yikes, man. That is a big, big yikes. yikes. But I don't know. I mean – how many years he is? What year did uh, what year did Hopkins get there? And oh, this so has got to be got to be eighteen was his first year. Eighteen yeah. was his first year. They went twenty-one and thirteen and lost second round of NIT. So another tournament. Nineteen, they were really good. They went twenty-seven and nine. Oh, really good. They were forty-eighth in Kempom. They made the tournament as a nine seed. Lost by twenty-two to North Carolina in the second round. So all right, one tournament, one win. But then they start going in 20, obviously COVID year still, they wouldn't have made the tournament. They were 15 and 17. They had a three, six, they had a nine game losing streak in the pack 12 between January and February at one point. Um, and they lost, they are, they, this is when you know it's a bad season. Their season was over before COVID shut everything down. They lost to Arizona in the pack 12. Yeah. Uh, and then lastly, so this, oh, I guess this past year, they went, oh my gosh. I know. They went five and 21 last year. Um, and then this year they are the crazy thing is they went five and 21 and still were somehow ranked 129th in Ken Palm. <laughs> they are five and six and they're ranked worse. They're 159th. It's not looking so good. This might be the, because you like, you should be able to win at Washington. There's great, ba- like, I mean, Zag is the best team in like the best program. You, you gotta West, be like, able to do better than what he's doing, which is tough. Um, at least be you have to at least be mediocre this is just yeah. this is bad this just be is mediocre. uh this is bad um but last i mean cooley though to go back Cooley's to him, i mean absolute like do you think he'll leave ever not ever but like well he tried to go for michigan and those that's like the only type of school that i think he would leave for like you know like i i don't i don't necessarily classify michigan as a blue blood but they're probably right below it so when Georgia fires Tom Crean, you don't think no, he tries to no, after Georgia? No, no, and that's not a good fit. It's not a good fit. Speaking of Michigan, they're currently losing seventy to sixty-one to Rutgers. Shout out RU. Yeah, twenty-nine seconds left. Um, Michigan Vanderbilt, been- NC State got the win over the Hokies of Virginia Let's- Tech. Let's go! Oh, that's a big time. That's win. the best way to end the pod. That's the but, best way to end the pack. Uh, I'm taking the under now. I'm taking the under now in the ACC. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, that that hurts. I mean, the four. what did we just say? Virginia Tech, like, we literally already outdated ourselves in this pot. Virginia Tech, didn't, they didn't have any bad losses. Here we are. And not to knock the, the, the Wolf Pack, but come on, Virginia Tech. It's tough. Tough. All right, well, congrats to the Wolf Pack. Uh, we're going to end this episode a little differently than we normally do, keep the ball bouncing, all that stuff. It's January. It's stay dry January, okay? Just pray for your boy. I am trying to get through the first seven days of this. Uh, you know? He doesn't need prayer. He, he's got the best team in ACC. He'll be fine. Yeah, we'll be all right. We'll be all right. I'm stay not trying to drink some at all. Stay dry. Uh, don't get COVID, and we'll see you on the next episode. Deuces. Lately I've been feeling like this what I've been working towards If you ain't trying to be the boss and tell me what you working for Certain doors are closed but now they opening up Celebrating with some shots, maybe poke on a cup Pulls, lust, rust, souls up next and I got this Crazy like Britney and the love so toxic Got a wall up, I'm trying to infiltrate a conscious Taking 12 shots like where the cops is, come on